Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. I'm James Hicks. Pastor Ben Hill had knee surgery last week, so he will not be on this week's episode. However, we have a special guest speaker, Pat Fowler, who served on staff with Pastor Ben Hill when he was at Lockhart Baptist Church in Union, South Carolina, came and spoke uh, this morning on the book of Hebrews. So here's Pat Fowler. Let's listen in. our sound at our church and he's constantly on the pastor about turning his own so I feel right at home <laughs> I understand how Pastor Nicholas is uh, well good morning again and, and thank you for having me and, and Pastor Ben I, I do uh, want to wish you a speedy recovery um, you know we are praying for you and I can tell that your church here family loves you and uh, again I, I know the feelings are reciprocated um so with that being said, this morning we're going to spend some time in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, and we're going, to, we're going to read beginning in verse 19, but we're going to read the camp out in verses 22 through 24. Uh, but before that, I'd like to also point out that uh, my lovely wife Tina is here, and um, along with them is, is the newly married um, daughter-in-law that we have, Cassidy and, and JP, who is my son. So they were married three weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, again, uh, make them feel welcome. Uh, if you don't mind, just like you do us every time that we come here. Again, it's always a pleasure uh, to be here. It's always a pleasure anytime that we get to do uh, God's work. Um, there we go. Yeah. You're welcome. Don't get in front of the speakers. Mm. All right, I'll try to remember that. Um, as I said, we will spend this morning in, in Hebrews chapter 10. The easiest way to get there is, is start Revelations and go backwards a few chapters, a few books, okay? Um, so we don't have to fumble through um, the entire Old and New Testament. You know, and it speaks here, we're going to start in, in verse 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Now what he's just speaking about here is just the way that the priest would come into uh, communion with God is through uh, this veil into this holy of holies. And it says in 21, And having an high priest over the house of God, 22 continues, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity to come openly and freely read your word, God, and just praise you for who you are, and just praise you for the love that you have for us, and, and demonstrating that love, God, sending your Son to the, to the cruel cross to save us, ones that didn't, didn't, God, 
we just didn't. We didn't deserve it. But God, you love us so much that, that you are our Savior, God, by just accepting you and acknowledging who you are. And God, just uh, this time this morning, I just ask that you speak through me, Lord, and, and, and move me out of the way. And God, just remove me and, and have them, your people, hear you. And Lord, we just thank you for that. It's your holy name. Amen. You see, in the previous two verses, we're talking, or the author of Hebrews is talking about salvation. And he clearly states, and he's intentional about what he's wanting his, his listeners to, to, to grasp. And, and that is, the only way that you're going to enter these gates is by not only accepting, but acknowledging the truth that Jesus Christ has prepared a new way. It's no longer the way of the old, where the priest or the holy of, or entered the Holy of Holies and, and, and presented a sacrifice to the sin, for the sins of the people. That's gone. It's done and over with. And this author is trying to stress that with his people, uh, or the ones that are dedicated to listen to him right now. He's wanting to make sure that they understand that Jesus was the only sacrifice needed now. And his work on the cross proved that. Not only his work on the cross, but his resurrection. And it showed that God is who God says he is, and God is a God of grace, and God is a God of love, and God is a God of mercy. It provides us and them at that time with the understanding that this shed blood, that we could live a life through faith in just His finished work. And that's completely contrast to the old and dead way of living and trying to measure up our works to gain entrance. Let's face it, we can never measure up to the righteousness of God. Correct? We can work and work and work all we can and never measure up to who God is. You see in verse 20, we see the word new. It says, by a new and living way which he hath. The, the Greek word is, forgive me for my pronunciation, but uh, prophastos. And it's unique because this is the only time we see this in the, in the New Testament. And in its original meaning, it actually means freshly sacrificed, which leads to believe and understand that it was a reference to Jesus' death on the cross. It was his sacrifice and his body that now, now get this, that the penalty God has for sin was paid in full, period. We can rest on the fact that we have no longer the worries of trying to earn any acceptance in the kingdom of heaven. We simply don't have the means or, or the measures, but we don't have to worry about that anymore because Jesus paid it in full. And it was stamp paid that day. That is the only way that we can enter God's presence. You see, to enter God's presence, you had to have that holy of, uh, priest go in to enter the Holy of Holies. And there were so many things he had to do. 
uh, in order to prepare himself to enter into that room. And he can only enter that room uh, at the Day of Atonement. But now we can enter that room with the confidence and the boldness anytime we want to because Jesus paid the price for us to do that. This is the only way, of course, to enter God's presence. And it is, thankfully, a living way through Jesus' resurrection. You see, the entire message of the gospel isn't do, but it's done. And what I simply mean by that is, is there's nothing else to be done to pay that penalty. It's over in God's eyes. He sent his perfect sacrifice, and he shed his blood on the cross, and it's done. Now, church, that's one thing we can celebrate in today, that we don't have to worry about that anymore. That penalty is paid. But that doesn't mean we don't have work to do. We, as not only as God's children, we still have work to do. Our work is not yet done as we live and breathe on this earth. Knowing understanding that should bring unparalleled confidence when we go to not only our neighbors, our fellow Christians, the, the non-believers. We should have this unparalleled confidence that we can approach them knowing we serve a living Savior, knowing that our future is secure. And all we want to do is secure theirs too. So this brings me to, to what I titled this morning's message into simply the words, let us. And as we see in the next three verses, beginning with 22, it says, let us. 23, let us. And 24, let us. And it's a stark reminder not only to, 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 the, uh, to, the, uh, to the listeners of, of the author of Hebrews, but us today, it still resonates. And so we want to look at four things that we need to become intentional in our daily lives. First one, verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we want to first let us walk with God. We think, well, how do we maintain a sincere heart, as the author is saying here in the, in the very first part of this uh, scripture? and draw near to God every day? It's a good question. There's two things that we can do. We can commit ourselves to daily cleansing and commit ourselves, of course, to just purely daily commitment. Daily cleansing. Let us be intentional about claiming the power of the cross. We flip right over to <clears throat> excuse me, 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. So we can claim that every day knowing that we are cleansed if you are a true believer and follower and have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have that power, that authority to claim that. And then no matter what I did yesterday, I'm still a child of the King. I know that I no longer have to bear that because it tells me that I'm clean. 
Second, our daily commitment. Let us commit to showering in the presence of, of his pure water. And what I mean by that is, is the Old Testament, as we said earlier, the priest had to go through certain rituals to 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 begin to, to be ceremonially washed, so to speak, before he could enter the Holy of Holies. And so we need to prepare our same, ourselves the same way today. And what do I mean by that? It's simply approaching every day as truly a new day. Committing ourselves to, to removing that old dirt from us and not wearing it over and over again. You know, do you wear the same clothes over and over again every day? After time, what is it? You start looking like pig pen on Charlie Brown, right? I mean, it begins to wear on you and smell on you. Okay? Remove it. With the presence and, and the boldness we have of knowing that Jesus Christ is who, is who He says He is, we have that confidence to put on those new clothes, clothes every day and forget that dirt that we gathered on the day before. Is every day perfect? Did everybody have their scars from the day before? Two days before? A week? Five years? Ten years? Forget about it. Put on those new sets of clothes. We should allow the cross to inspire us each and every day so that we can always be a presentable person that God can use in our daily lives. Who likes, who likes or wants to be used by God every day? How many times do you present yourself presentable to God every day? So commit yourself to being that presentable person to God. Because He loves you regardless. So our daily commitment and cleansing will draw us nearer to God. And don't lose hope. If our commitment fails, we can still draw upon our claim for the cleansing power of Christ. But we must remain as a church, as an individual, vigilant and intentional about those. We have to present ourselves to Him with the intent of saying, Hey God, use me today. Use me. I know I did bad yesterday, but use me today. And you'll be surprised. It reminds me of, of a story I read about uh, that cruise control has been out for quite some time, but at this time, the, the author of, of, of this book I was reading uh, had made a scenario about uh, an elderly couple, uh, elderly, excuse me, that when cruise control first come out, they said, you know what, we're going to buy the, the, the most expensive, nicest motorhome that we can. And we're just going to drive around and just visit the entire United States with it. Well, they did just that. And, of course, cruise control was on this motorhome. And they were driving around. And after about three or four hours, the, the husband had gotten tired. And he said, honey, do you mind if you would, or can you drive us for a little bit? I want to go take a nap. So she did. She jumped in the driver's seat and uh, after some time, she said, I'm going to put this thing on cruise control. We've got some straight traveling ahead, and then we're just going to cruise around and see what this thing's all about. And it's really nice. I mean, she was motoring just along and, and not having to pay as much attention to her gas and the speed and whatnot, and um, she was really enjoying it. All of a sudden, she said, i got to go to the bathroom. 
So what this wife does, she gets up and goes to the bathroom. And the story picks up as she's speaking to the highway patrolman afterwards. And what has happened is she was explaining to the highway patrolman, I put it on cruise control. I thought it was like autopilot. It would just drive itself. So, <laughs> not to not to to beg it on the story any longer, but obviously they had a wreck. And sometimes our lives, I believe, are like that. We put everything on cruise control, thinking it's autopilot, and we forget that we need to intentionally do these things and put forth these things, the effort that we need for God to use us. So I encourage you, don't put your life on cruise control because it's not autopilot. It's not going to steer you when you need to be steered. So verse 23 starts out, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. What did He promise us? What does He promise us, church? You can't be wrong. Everything. He's promised us everything. Now how cool is that? We don't have to worry about what's going to happen to our future if we're a saved child of God. We are promised everything. He provides us with His boldness and never lets us down. If we rely on a relationship with Christ, it will enable us to develop true relationships outside of Christ. And you see, I think, and I'm not calling out any churches in general, I'm speaking from a perspective that as I look at today's society of churches, I believe the church itself has lost its personalness. And what do I mean by that? Well, we boast about a personal relationship with, with Jesus to others, yet we can't have a personal relationship with the person who's sitting beside us. What hinders us? You want to know why non-believers look at us like we are? Or, 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 or say and, and call us hypocrites? Well, that's, that right there speaks volumes to me. We have a personal Savior that we have a personal relationship with, but I don't want to be personal with you. We don't want that relationship with others. And I'm just not saying that's everybody, and I'm certainly not saying it's Grace Point Church. But what I'm saying is a church as a whole, we're made up of believers that come to church. We are not as personable as we were. Who's ever been to another church and you walked in and you felt it was cold? Yeah, we've all experienced that. Why? If there's a bunch of people claiming they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and they're not personable to you, why, church? It's because we don't want to be personal with others. We live in a society of technology that is, is good for us. I, I agree with that. I love technology. But at the same time, it hinders us. I, 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 myself included. I'm, I'm, I'm just as guilty as you are. We're quicker to pick up the phone and look at something than we are to look at the person either beside us or in front of us. And if you don't believe me, go to lunch day and look around. 
we've got to get back to being personal. We've got to be to get back to asking how people are, smiling at them, acknowledging that they're here, that they're there. Now, I enjoy coming here because simply that's the first thing you guys do is speak to me, welcome me, smile, whether you mean it or not, but you know, at least you do it. But it is, and it shows. A church that welcomes people, you feel more welcome. You know, you don't have to put those deflectors up automatically. I don't have to come in here wondering if I'm getting somebody's seat. Because I know Amy ain't going to sit well in front anyway. <laughs> but I don't have that worries coming here. And I'm thankful for that. Look at Jesus' life. And if you, if you would, you can reflect on Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Who did Jesus always surround him with? Surround himself with? Who did the priest accuse him of spending time with? Those sinners. Those sinners. Jesus himself surrounded himself or surrounded himself with nothing but sinners. Anybody that he picked up as his uh, disciples, what was um, what was their previous life like? Were they perfect people? I mean, for right loud, he come to Paul in a bright, shining light, light as he was chasing other Christians to kill him. So he didn't associate himself with the priest of that time. And you've heard it a, a, numerous times, you know, he didn't come to save who? Yeah, who he came. That's why his, this, his whole purpose was. He was a friend to all sinners. He sought the unworthy and befriended them. How many times can you look at yourself in our daily lives and say we've been that person to others? I hope you have. And if you have, how many times have you not been. Now, how many times have we been turned off by people that uh, just kind of look at us and go mm, and turn away? Or how many times have you been somewhere and you've heard comments flowing? Uh, I can't believe what they're doing. I can't believe what they're seeing. I can't believe he's with her. You know, we're making all of these judgments against these people instead of befriending people in any shape, fashion, or form. You know, would Jesus be impressed with us as a church if he came today? As a church, not this particular church, but as a church as a whole. Would he be impressed by his church? Well, Revelation tells us seven churches he wasn't. And it speaks volumes to it. Nothing surprises Christ. You know, we need to take people under our wings. Discipleship is huge with any church. And think about this. Another story I read sometimes. but uh, Another story was, was a grandpa who was excited about being at the hospital, seeing the birth of his first newborn son. And all he could talk about was the things that he was going to do with him. And he said, I'm going to take that boy fishing. I'm going to take him fishing all the time. He'll never have to have anything. He'll never have to, have to worry about a rod. He'll never have to worry about any bait. He won't have to worry about a, a boat. 
I'm going to take him with me everywhere I go. Any pond that I have access to, I'm taking him with me. Now, church, what if we were to take people along with us on our spiritual walk or our, our daily walk with Christ and gather them up and allow them to come with this? Point blank is, Jesus said to his disciples, what? I'll teach you to be fishers of what? Men. Men. And I'm telling you, church, today, if we ain't fishing, we ain't following. Period. If we're not doing what Jesus done originally, then we're not following the right Jesus. Verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let us work for God. So if we're going to walk with God and we're going to witness for God, we need to work for God. You know, we were saved to serve. We must encourage others in some capacity. Um, you know, one of the things that, that brought it to my, to my attention in, in this was, sorry, was how many times you've been on a committee of some sort in a church and you were saying, man, they do this all the time and they only let me do this. Or maybe you're never even asked to serve on this committee or this function. Or maybe, you know, you may, you, maybe you're like me and they say, oh, you just bring the drinks and the ice. You know, that's what you can bring. And we get grumpy about those things. People, forget about what you do. Just understand you're serving God in some capacity, some shape, some form. Forget about how big or forget about how little. Just be thankful you can serve. Use your talents. And the ones that are always doing everything, there's people out there, believe it or not, that can do things just as good or better. Allow them to serve. Allow them to bless others in their own particular way. We all have special talents. We all have special gifts. Let's not only use them, but allow others to use them. It doesn't matter who does what. Because all of it is for the Lord anyway. So let's stop worrying about those things. Consider yourself. Consider how flawed and deeply loved you are by God despite these flaws, despite these scars, despite these ugly marks on your life. But God loves us so much. And understanding that simple notion will set your heart in motion to serve right. And there'll be no more bickering and complaining about who does what, who didn't do what. Why do they only bring ice? I mean, I can do other things. So we're working for God, then His grace is working on us. And with that grace working on us, guess what? It's going to flow through us and it's going to flow out of us. And other of us are going to recognize that. And you want to see non-believers see and recognize who you are? Allow the grace of God to flow through you. Then non-believers will never have to say, I wonder if he was a Christian or not. Because they'll know it by who and how you act. If we're constantly serving with the right mindset. And fourth and final, let us worship God. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching.
You know, what does worship mean? When you hear the word worship, what does it mean? And it's simply put, it's just humbling or bowing ourselves towards the Lord. You know, we hear about it in the Old Testament as prostrating ourselves toward the Lord. Uh, you know, the song said it earlier that we, um, forgive me if I get this wrong, but if we are, how wonderful it is for the Lord to wash our feet and now we serve the Lord by bowing to His. Something like that. That's kind of cool. You know, the same Lord that will bend down and wash your feet. He is so humble that He doesn't care about His title in that sense. That He'll do what He needs to do to show you love that He wants you to show to everybody else. You know, Isaiah 57, 15 describes who the Lord seeks. And it is the ones that are contrite and humble. God seeks and saves anyone who comes to Him. doesn't matter if they're drug dealers, drug addicts, uh, pagans, atheists, prostitutes, alcoholics, and yes, even you backslidden Christians. He takes care of all. If we come to Him and worship Him for who He is. Simply put, worship is meeting God and being changed. You can't meet God and not be changed. Now we can slide backwards. But you cannot meet God and not be changed. So if our worship doesn't lead us to focusing on things that matter to the Lord, then you haven't truly worshipped. You haven't experienced it. It doesn't matter what songs are being played. It doesn't matter what hymns are being played or what's not being played. You know, as long as you are bowing and doing work towards the Lord, then you're experiencing true worship. And that's what He desires. For you to be humble about it and not brag about it. See, well, why does, why does genuine worship, you think, why does it work? Because genuine worship trumps any difference. It overcomes any flaws that we have as human individuals and puts those things aside and automatically trumps any difference that we have if you're truly worshiping. It doesn't matter who you are, what place you hold in any job, or any position you may hold in the congregation. Genuine worship will trump those, and you will bow before the Lord just like everybody else will. So let me ask you this is, is our church today a place where others can seek that refuge and seek the God who they desire? Or can they come and just be entertained? Is, is our church a place where God truly shows up? Or is it just four hollow walls? So I believe in all sincerity our God wants to show up and show out in any service. In any time that people gather in His name, God desires to be there amongst His people. You see, our personal evangelism 
reflects our personal devotion. And is it's going to be carried that and only extend as far as we allow it. If we're personally evangelizing to others around us, then we're going to grow stronger and deeper in being devoted to God. And one simple reason is that's because human nature says we don't want to fall, we don't want to fall flat on our face, we don't want to make, make ourselves look like a fool or, or anything or not know something. First of all, you don't have to know everything. The gospel is simple. We complicate it. I mean, we ourselves complicate the gospel, but you don't have to worry about trying to know everything. You just got to try and do it. Just try and do it. And I'm guilty. I'm not any better than you. There's times that I know that I've, I've had opportunities to share and present, and I said, no, nah, not today. But it doesn't matter. Because if we go and if we seek others with that boldness that we know Christ, who Christ is in our lives, then we are honoring God's desires. We're honoring God's wishes for our lives. We're doing the work that needs to be done. We're planting that seed. We're learning to know and honor God. We're learning to think as God thinks. And we want what God wants. And then finally, we can love as God loves. You want to make a testament to non-believers in your life? Follow those four steps. Knowing and honor God, learning to think as God thinks, want what God wants, and love as God loves. There'll never be a question if you're a believer or not in your life. You'll never have to worry about that. See, share your faith. Be passionate and accepting with non-believers. I think sometimes that's where we falter the most with, as a church. We're not as accepting and as passionate about non-believers. Why? Because, let's face it, we're selfish. We know our, safe, our, our future is secure. But by just showing them the grace just like you have received. You know, after all, the only difference between you and a non-believer is you've chosen to accept the truth. That's it. There's no difference. You're just as much of a sinner as that one is. But you've chosen the truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ. And finally, let's take and consider the thoughts of Jesus and His last words to His disciples on earth. And simply, let us consider taking the commands of our Lord and King Jesus to heart. There wasn't once, there wasn't, he wasn't asking, he was commanding his disciples to go forth and make disciples of other nations. So let us as a church go forth and make disciples of other nations. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for the message you've laid on my heart, God. I just I just ask that if there is someone here today, God, that doesn't know you as a personal Savior, Lord, I just ask that you deal with them right now. God, it's, before it's forever too late. We don't know what the future holds, God, but we are thankful we know the future holder. And God, we just pray that you work on someone continually and burden them so much that they say, I've got to get this right. 
My life is in shambles. I've got to trust in Jesus Christ. God, I pray if that person is here today, Lord, I ask that they would come forward and make it right. To allow them to have the peace that far surpasses any understanding we may have. God, for those that are maybe struggling with things in their life, Lord, I just ask that they come forward Lord, and, just, and just bear it all and let them know that, hey, you know, I trust you and I love you, God, but I need help in dealing with these things. And God, just, I just thank you for that, for the work that you're doing in, in, in people's lives, Lord, not only here at Grace Point, but throughout this, this great country of ours, God. I just pray that there is an awakening of, of your church that leads to an awesome experience and, and just an awesome turning of people back to you. And Father God, I just pray that uh, you be with each and every one of us as we go through this work week and as we, we attempt to, to make it known that we're going to be intentional about these things, Lord. And we're going to make these a part of our daily walk with you, God. And not give up when we fail. And I just pray that all these things in your precious name. Amen. Grace one, as always, I thank you for your time. And uh, the kind words about blessings, but it may be curses. But I will be back with you next week. And I thank you that in advance. Um, if you are here, again, this is the first time you're here, don't hold this church accountable for me, but come back at least two weeks from now and you'll hear Pastor Ben, and then you can hold him accountable. But um, I do, I appreciate Pastor Ben. I love him so much, uh, him and his family. They've always been good to me and my family, and I, and I miss him. And, and again, Pastor Ben, if you're, if you're watching, Lord, just know that I'm, I'm praying for you daily and, and hoping for a speedy recovery. And again, just thank you, Grace Point Church. listening to the Grace Point Church podcast. To listen to more sermons from Pastor Ben, you can subscribe to this podcast, watch past sermons on our YouTube page, or watch live on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on social media through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. All of these links are accessible on our website, www.gracepointsc.org. That is www.gracepointsc.org. If you like what you hear from the Grace Point Church podcast, give us a rating or comment on your podcast platform if they allow. For Pastor Ben Hill and Grace Point Church, I'm James Hicks. Thank you for listening.